just so that was a solid opening by the way oh, are you serious oh yeah awesome. i definitely just got recorded <laughs> yeah. on that <clears throat> so <clears throat> episode number two for desert beach podcast i have here weston hall how we doing and <clears throat> daniel johnson howdy first time uh, seeing daniel since i uh, left for the navy so why don't you tell us a little bit about that what were you doing in the navy uh, I was an aviation machinist mate on the USS Ronald Reagan. I was stash- stationed over in uh, Atsugi, Japan for three and a half years. Uh, I worked on helicopters. The pilots would go up and mess them up and they'd bring them back and I'd fix them. <laughs> <laughs> so, an aviation mate, you were a helicopter pilot? No, I was a helicopter... Or mechanic, sorry. Mechanic, yeah. Power plants mechanic. Power plants mechanic. So, you did like the the... So, yeah, engines, transmissions, drive lines, rotors. I'm guessing that has nothing to do with, like, an actual vehicle, like a car. No, it's actually super different. I used to do diesel mechanicing before I joined the the Navy. Yeah. And, yeah, it's it's pretty different. I mean, like, it was nice because you get a lot of people over there that, like, join, and they don't know, like, what a screwdriver is. (laughs) So I already had some, like... People that are doing your job don't know what a screwdriver is. Yeah, bro, I went went to school. How do they qualify for that? Bro, it's all about <laughs> testing. So, like, you go in and you take your ASVAB, and then they give you, like, a list of different, like, jobs right. that you can, like, get. And I guess people just, like, pick stuff, and they don't know anything about it. So, I went oh to school. Goodness. When I was in C school, I had a couple of people that had, like, seriously, they didn't know any, like, tools at all. I was, like. Wow. I mean, you learn really fast, though. You're out there working, I mean, seven days a week. So, you pick it up pretty quick. But That's crazy. How long was the training for that? Uh, actually not very long. You'd be surprised. So I went to boot camp for two months and then, uh, I went to a school, which is like your preliminary school is just basic turbojet engine school for a month and a half. And then I went to C school, which is like your designated school for like whatever platform you're going to. And I was helicopter. So I went to North Island, San Diego, and I was only in C school for a month, but it was, it was more of a vacation and schooling <laughs> so total combined training on an actual turbo prop yeah turbo yeah it was, was like six months including boot camp and boot camp had nothing to do with <laughs> with aircraft at all that's so sketchy <laughs> but yeah you, you learn pretty quick and it's not like they just you get you get to the fleet and they like let you work on you know whatever they don't let you just like jump right out and work on stuff like you have to build your way up. You have to get that your apprentice, sense. and then like they have a thing called a plane captain, so you can land helicopters and do like Send daily inspections and stuff. Wait, so you you learn how to actually fly them? Yeah. Oh no, 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 not fly them. I just oh. LSE them, like landing signalmen. We so would, like, like the guys that are on the deck with the big yeah, lights. <laughs> yeah, you'd land them on the ship and then send them off. And... So the whole time you're doing this, you have fucking jets right next to you. So. Yes. So they have flight schedule and usually your flight schedule schedule is like during day hours and they go into night sometimes. But like our helicopter squadron flew 24 hours all the time. Okay. So like sometimes you would have jets landing, but you never have jets landing when you're landing and taking off. So so, so they, they would s- pause the jets and yeah, then like well, let the helicopters come in and out? Yeah, while the, while the jets were still doing like out doing their missions or whatever, we'd land and fill up and do whatever we needed to do, load ordnance or whatever, and then they would send them off. And then 
regular flight schedule would resume. But I remember standing on the flight deck and you could seriously, you're like a couple of feet away from jets that are landing and taking off. You stand just right. You can tickles your balls. <laughs> That's kind of your whole skeleton shake. Well, my understanding with, with being on the carriers and stuff is like the flight deck is only for few people. Like most of the people that work on the carriers don't actually get access to be on the flight deck. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. So you have to like to actually be on the flight deck or working on the flight deck or roaming around the flight deck during flight ops. Uh, you have to have your flight deck qualification. It's like a big qualification that you have to you have to know like all the different designations and jobs and things there's a lot of different do. things that you have to know before they let you go up and work on flight deck. Which I mean makes sense because yeah. there's shit flying <laughs> hundreds of miles per hour. Well, it's literally like the there. most dangerous job in the world is being on the flight deck. So well, then you have that cable that could snap. Have you have those ever snapped on people? They have before, never on like my ship. Cables? But there's like videos you can like get on YouTube and look at videos. There's like videos of like the That's cables, insane. the arresting gears snapping and like cutting people's legs off, just like just snaps clean them. Off. Oh my goodness! Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty brutal. Did you like it though? No, yeah, I loved it. It was, uh, I mean, I enjoyed being out. It was a lot of work. You know, you're out there six months out of the year, every year, and it's hot. And But, I mean, it was a good experience. Never seen so many stars in your life. It's beautiful out there at night. Oh, it's zero light pollution at all in that. Yeah. That would be super cool. Yeah, it's super cool. So, how many people were on the ship with you? So, I believe it was over 5,000. Um, I mean, like, it kind of it kind of varied. Those are huge ships, man. You got say, that's the difference between a boat and a ship. Yeah, there's <laughs> <laughs> right, right there. That's more people than lived in my hometown, bro. <laughs> Our hometown. That's true, yeah. yeah. That's weird to think about. It is. There's, yeah, there's more people on that little boat. So, you never have, like, any time alone. Like, always... you get off work when you, like, do get off work, you know, and there's just people everywhere you can't. I mean, you can find, like, little corners here and there that, like, you know, you'd be secluded for a minute, a few minutes, <laughs> and then there's just people everywhere. And so you're there for six months at a time when that is happening. Yeah, so, I mean, it depends on, like, what fleet you're in and what, like, your missions are and whatever. But, yeah, our deployment schedules are, like, six months out of the year every year. And weren't you trying to do, like, nuclear subs originally? Yes. So when I first got in, or when I was first joining, I wanted to be a, a rescue swimmer. And I had, like, gone right. through and done the whole, like, PT testing and passed it and whatever, but I had to do some exam or something. And somebody from my recruiting station had, like, fallen out of their, like, line in place. And our recruiters were like, hey, we need somebody to go. And, like, you, if you take this job, you can go now. And I was just ready to get out of and Arizona. And so that's where you got. Right, yeah, got so I was did. supposed to be a machinist made on subs, nuclear subs. I'm really glad that I didn't do that. Yeah, I've, I've, I've only that watched documentaries, but you yeah. talk to the people out there. Like, that would be crazy yeah well and there's no women on board correct no there are now yeah they, oh, they, do they actually let women on, women on that subs helps a little bit. <laughs> but yeah. still what it's 40 people yeah if that i mean your your rules like when you're underway though like their rules are a lot more lax like i know like some of the sub captains and whatever like they'll let you like grow beards or like you can wear like tennis shoes or uh, something to work well, nobody's gonna yeah, see nobody you seen for exactly. nine months yeah exactly. my ship my ship was the flagship though so we had like Admirals and stuff coming on there all, ship the all the time. Oh, yeah. That'd yeah. be pretty. So you talk about girls, and it doesn't matter either way, right? So you have like navy girls, and you have civilian girls, and you're out at sea for so long. 
you get There's boat goggles. It's like beer goggles, but boat goggles. So every every woman is <laughs> it's just yeah, like, so like there's like there's like a navy scale and then there's like the civilian scale. So like a navy like eight would be like a civilian like five. Wow. Yeah, but out there you're like, damn, bro, she hot. And then like you hit, you get, <laughs> get to back. port and you're like, what Whoa. the fuck? What was I thinking? <laughs> It's, like it's kind of like the shallow hell concept. You cover up all the other ugly girls around it. And yeah, exactly. Yeah. She becomes <laughs> ugly. <That's funny>. Funny. <laughs> yeah. It was a good time, though. It was a good experience. I got to go to a lot of different places that I never thought that I'd go. I mean, I never thought that I'd live in Japan. Yeah, that would be crazy. And you were, like, surfing and shit out there, weren't you? Oh, yeah. I actually taught myself how to surf in Japan. Hell, yeah. Like, by yourself? Did you have any yeah. lessons or anything? No, I just, I just hopped on and went. went. I actually got my diving license while I was in Japan. I did quite a I did quite a bit for myself while I was out there. It was a good time. Did the Navy pay for any, like, could you get diving certifications? I guess with your... With like, my rate, like my job, no. There was no point in you yeah, having the, diving. Yeah, they're not going to pay for something that's not going to benefit them. Makes sense. You know, so. I mean, like, if I would have, like, cross-rated and tried to be, like, a Navy diver or something, then then obviously they would have paid for it, but... But would there be, there'd be no benefit of you unless you did totally try to change your job? Yeah. No, no. Is it hard to change a job, like... Let's say like a year into what you were doing, is it hard to switch jobs? Yeah, I mean, so it depends on whether or not you're right, <laughs> your rate or your job is willing to let you go. So like if you have an overmanned rate and you want to switch to something else that's undermanned, right. then they'll let you switch. But if your rate doesn't want to let you go and the rate that you want to go into is already overmanned, then you, you're, you're stuck. You have to yeah, you stay in your spot. And when you say rate, you're saying like that's like job category. Yeah, rate right? is like your job. So like there's several different rates. Like my rate was AD, so aviation machinist mate. And then in the aviation field, you have um, AMs, which are airframe mechanics. And then you have AEs, which do electrician stuff on the helicopters. And then you have ATs. They do like computers and data analyzing. And Okay. That one's got to be tough. Yeah, no, bro, they yeah. bro, they lived life. So like the yeah. airframers and the the mechs is what we call ourselves. We call ourselves mechs. <coughs> They're you know, the power Mech- plants mechanics. Yeah. Uh our lives are hell, bro. Like our workload compared to most people's is like crazy. I mean, except for the electricians. The electricians have a, a high workload, but their stuff is like You're dealing in a spot like this where you have this. Yeah. Yeah, so, so like the electric, like the ATs, like the the technicians or whatever, they their jobs were easy, man. Like during flight schedule, they like the helicopter would land and all they they just go in and load codes and then hop out, and that's all they had to do. Oh, really? Like, yeah, they don't really do maintenance. So like we would go into phases. Like every so often, you have like phases. The helicopters go down, and you have to like take certain parts of the whole helicopter apart and do inspections on it, or whatever. Yeah. Every phase that we had, the ATs just had to take off one component, check it, and put it back on. That's all they did. And sometimes our phases would last weeks. I mean, there's, but so, that's all they would do. So how many different, um, how many different machines were you responsible for? Like, did you work on? Because my understanding, I, and obviously I didn't know anything about it, but when I was under the impression that like when you were going in, you had like one helicopter that you were assigned to. Is that not the case whatsoever? Yeah, no. So it depends on like your squadron and how many helicopters your squadron has. Yeah. And my squadron had eight helicopters, so I was. And you only have one power plant shop, right? So, like, everybody in my shop was had to maintain eight so different how, helicopters. Okay. And how many how many people in your position were there? Um, it would shop? depend on, like, the man, the manning in the command. Because uh, the Navy, like, has, like, a big manning chart or something that they, like, they determine, like, what squadrons need what, right? So, when I first got there, um, 
our manning in our shop was super low. Me and one other girl had just barely got in there, like joined the Navy. And like when you first join and you go to a squadron, you're supposed to go to this place called the line check. Yeah. And pretty much you're like the bottom bitch. And you like wipe up windows and hydraulic fluid and whatever. Like you just do bitch work for months until like your shop is ready or needs more people. But they were so undermanned when I got there that I was only in the line check for two weeks. And most nice. people are in there for like a year, year and a half, two years. It just depends. So, And it was just me, her, and one other guy that were working there for like six months. So manning kind of varies. The highest that our manning was at one point was like we had 15 people in the shop. Okay. But then like your shop on the ship because like half the time we're shore-based and then the other half of the time when we're on deployment we're, uh, you know, on the ship yeah. and try fitting uh 15 people and all of your equipment and tools and stuff into like a broom closet or a pantry and that's what <laughs> and wow. everybody's everybody's is everybody fighting out of the same closet like on your in your shop yeah like everybody has their shit stored in the same yeah it's just all over the place i mean so like you can depending on like your chain of command like store your own stuff in the shop like, I would keep my protein and stuff, like, down there so I could just go straight to the gym after work. Yeah. But most squadrons won't let you do that. So you have to, like, store all of your stuff in your rack. And your rack is just, like, a coffin rack. I mean, there's, like, no space in there at all. And then you have, like, one locker that's... Your personal. Yeah, your personal stuff, and that's it. So you got to fit six months of living <laughs> in a, a little <laughs> locker. So you got to get it back. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> most of it was uniforms. <laughs> <laughs> so do you just have a shit ton of uniforms now, or did you get rid of most of them? Oh, no, I have them. So uh, I, I still have a four-year obligation to the inactive reserves, so I okay. still technically have to, like, check in once a year or something like that. You but don't even know? I, pretty, <laughs> yeah. Aren't you supposed to know that? They, just, they just barely sent me an email about it. I'm not like, <laughs> and I wasn't super memo. excited to get it, so. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Uh, so four so you were in how long were you in for three years four years yeah. so you were in for four years so then it's four years inactive so inactive i mean you can choose to be active reserves if you want or you can re-enlist and stay active but i was like you're so out you're done yeah I, I did my four years and i got the experience and but yeah i was i was ready to be back in the real world so when you were there obviously you had a lot of time just for yourself did you like find any like new thought of talents or anything like that like in japan like while i was like japan or, or any other time that you were in i mean you had a lot of time to just sit there and think like, uh yeah i mean like like we were saying I, I taught myself how to surf um and then when you were surfing how many times a week would you get out on the water get out on the water yeah like to not surf. as often as i would like to i mean i i went out like once or twice a month maybe okay. but the place that i like really liked to surf was like three and a half hours away from me it's called shimoda it's down on the izu peninsula in japan it's like further down south okay and the water down there was beautiful the water up by tokyo kind of where i was like that's some nasty water man <laughs> there's so many damn people there yeah. makes sense <laughs> yeah so i mean i didn't get out as much as i'd like to but i got out when i could and then uh in between that i'd go diving i went on my first shark dive while i was in japan and damn yeah. So side note on that, did you see that video of I I don't know where it was at, but they were shark diving, and this guy was in the cage, and you see this shark swimming around, right? And it 
jumps up out of the water. Or no, no, no. It goes fast inside. Ends up getting caught inside the tank. Oh, the dude on the boat pulls the top open and just kind of sits back. And all you see is like this blood out of oh. the shark's mouth. And the shark jumps out from the top of the cage. And like two seconds later, this dude in a scuba suit like pops up. How no messed way? up was he? The dude, it it looked like the dude was fine, oh, but the video like cuts right after. Where that. does the blood come from if the guy was fine? I'm though? guessing it was the shark. Oh, or chum, oh, I guess. Like a yeah. chum. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking. Nah, bro, that's wild that's, though. Like That's crazy. Screw that. I wasn't I wasn't in a cage or anything. We actually like dived down and but it was just like nurse sharks and like stingrays. So I say shark dive to make me sound badass, but it like <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't really Aren't like nerf sharks though, like Aren't those the ones that bite people all the time? Uh, I don't know. I was wearing like a goat. Like nobody got bit while I was down there. I've, I've never heard of. Do you like a chainmail suit or anything? No, no. Just straight. Yeah, just scuba suit. Yeah. That'd be sketchy. A shark is still a shark. It's like, are you gonna go swim with bear? <laughs> right. I'd go literally hunt a bear. the same thing. Well, that's <laughs> different. You're not hunting a shark. Well, I mean, I had a knife like wrapped around my leg. You know, I had my scuba knife with me. Come on, man. still. <laughs> Come exactly. On. <laughs> if that shark wants to eat you, that knife ain't gonna do shit. No. <laughs> like, Damn, that's dope though. I that's I can't say that I would ever want to swim. I don't know, man. I always like I used to be kind of scared of things. Like when we we used to go cliff diving, jumping, right? And yeah. like at first I was like scared of it, but I was like, no, screw that, man. I'm just gonna live my life. And like I feel like if you live your life in fear, then you're not gonna like really live your life. So like if you live life without fear, if you're supposed to go, you're gonna go. So like don't. That makes sense. Don't hold yeah, back. If you're going to go, you're going to go, man. Might as well be doing it. Something that's, you enjoy doing. It's a good point. I mean, I, and that's kind of where I'm at in the sense of like just career choices. Um, uh, I was talking to my mom a little bit about it and she's, she's like, I've never hesitated taking a step forward in something. She's like, you're, you're going to miss so many different opportunities if you're afraid to take that step, that's whether true. you're in a, in a great job or in a, in a rocky job. If you're not willing to take that step, because that step forward can either be that you can that company can be successful and you can be part of the success, or that company fails. Exactly. Either way, as long as you don't burn bridges, you have stuff to come back to. Absolutely. That's true. Absolutely. Um, that step that, forward can be scary, though. I mean, like because yeah, you well, never know what sure. you're stepping into, especially with jobs or whatever. You know, it's like yeah, totally. Any darkness, but so, you never know if you don't take it. So yeah. So. Uh, segueing into Weston. Weston, what are you doing? What am I doing? Yeah, what's what's up with your life? My life right now is okay. I'm, I'm trying to float. <laughs> Come on, Weston. Is what I'm Tell us your life story right now. <laughs> no, well, I was um, uh, I was in, I lived in Argentina for two years on a mission. Um, when I came back, I just jumped right into. I had all these plans. So. We'll get back into that, but tell us about Argentina, dude. Argentina? Yeah, so you were there for two years. I was. How I was old were you when you went out there? Uh, I left when I was 18. So 18 to 20? 18 to 20. Yes. No, I'm sorry. I was 19. 19 to 21. Yes. Uh, I was on a mission for our church. So how did that... Um, when you're out there on your mission, are you, they put you with a family, correct? No. I. So you're with a companion. You always have a companion. Um, now, just clarifying, those are the dudes in the short sleeve shirts, riding the bicycle. White right? shirt and tie, yep, riding the bikes, yep. <laughs> okay, and that's us. <laughs> <laughs> well, in, in, our, in our mission, we didn't have bikes. Okay. Uh-uh. How big of an area were you in? 
Um, it was probably, uh, probably within the whole mission, probably about a 300 mile radius. Damn. So there were days where they just sent you out. So, so you, so that is your whole mission, but inside those, inside that mission, there's all these towns and whatever. And so you're assigned to one area for X amount of time. My first area was only a little teeny town out in the middle of nowhere. Okay. I think there was like 800 people. And I was there for six months. And so for six months, you're just in that small area. Talking to as many people. Talking to, and I'm pretty sure I talked to every single one. (laughs) So So it's about that Argentinian, like, living situation. Like, what were most Um, people living in? And eating. What did, what did you eat? Oh my goodness, the food is unreal. The food was so Argentina is the number one beef producer in the world. So okay. so many many cows. Many many many. It smell cows. like shit everywhere. It's the worst thing about damn cows. <laughs> Absolutely, bro. I don't know. When I was out on the boat, bro, like I would come back to Japan and you'd like pass by like a small farm field and you smell that cow shit and it's just like it's a home. Me, it sent me home, man. I'm oh, like, for man, sure. Really? Yeah, bro. I miss, <laughs> I miss home. I'm like mm, cow shit. Absolutely. <laughs> um. So the in my mission, it was one of the poorest. So I was in the capital in Buenos Aires okay. of Argentina, but I was in our mission was one of the poorest areas of the whole capital. Okay. Um, so honestly, you had four. Let's see, I was in a total of five areas, and four of my areas, the nicest house or shack you want to say, um, was made out of. Um, they call it chopper, which is basically like a tin roof. And they okay. just build their walls. It's just a little... There's usually... It's probably a 10 by 10 shack. There's a little mattress in the corner. They usually got a little one burner stove. Sitting on a milk crate. How many people are living in that house at a time usually? Anywhere from 5 to 15. So they'll just that's cram wild. everybody in there. Yeah. You're sleeping on all, top of people, man. Literally, that's that's just the way that's, they live. Sounds like the Navy had it better than they did. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. At least you had an actual, like, somewhat of a bed. I slept on the ground most of my mission. And so, I, sorry, I cut you off. No, so when they put you, they send you out there. How do they set up? Like, what's the? How do they set up the plan of it? Like, you're going to this place for X amount of time, and then we're going to send you here. Like, do they give you a schedule, or no, do they change no, it no, as no. you're out so, there? So it's basically just um, the mission president. Um, it's basically he's you know talking with the Lord, and the Lord tells president hey this person he's been there long enough or he doesn't need to be there he needs to go to this place and so it's really honestly there's no set schedule there's no set anything yeah so you just kind of you're just there my first two areas i was six months so the first year of my so the first year of my mission i was only in two areas and it sucked and so, so the other time you that's when you did the other mm-hmm. four areas yeah exactly we just had interrupters walk in yeah we did what up guys <laughs> and so and so like you're sleeping and you're staying situation how was that determined you know they that was so they're all the, the members of our church um they always tried to have somewhat of a nice place for you to stay um my first two areas there there was a family member or a, a family that rented out apartments and they weren't really apartments. They were just a bunch of shacks next to each other, essentially. <laughs> They're luxury condos. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> In South um, America. And so they always kept their nicest one um, for the missionaries. And so 
It was it was all right. It wasn't bad. We had uh, my first three areas. We had no running water. Which I mean, it it is a third world country. Absolutely, isn't it? it is. Absolutely, it is. Um, we did have electricity, but it was sketchy. You never knew when it was going to go off, and sometimes it would just explode. And like anything you had on, just yeah. It was. So did you become an ele- did you become an electrician while you were? I came there? actually pretty good. I mean, obviously not certified by any means, but yeah, I could. I can do pretty good. Fix some stuff. <laughs> I got pretty good. At least in third world country. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I learned a lot of little life lessons, stuff like that, that honestly, you know, will help. So could you like, if you had a phone, and I don't think that you did. We did. You know those little old Nokias? Classic, yeah. But so is it got, like a 12 volt charger? Like you could like stick it into the wall? Yeah. Or was it like a, just like, no, it just a, like wrap wires around <laughs> the end of the prongs? No, we, we had outlets. Like charger phone. <laughs> yeah. But like I said, the power went out all the time. So there's times we couldn't charge the phone. Okay. There was a couple times that the phone was plugged in and the circuit blew and it actually blew up the phone. Fried it. Yeah, just fried <laughs> it. And so you didn't have a phone for about a month and a half. So who paid your, for your phone? So the whole... So you pay for your mission. It was it was ten thousand dollars for me. But so that's you, to so live you, for two years. Exactly. Yeah. So that's that's yeah. for the whole thing. So that's food mostly food that's travel everything. Yeah, exactly. And so all that money gets sent to Salt Lake, the headquarters, and then they send it out to the missions. So now, did you raise most of that money? Or did you Yeah, I raised it all. You raised it all. Mm-hmm. Which, a lot well, of people don't. Actually, I mean, actually the church will help people go absolutely. on missions that can't afford it. Absolutely. I had raised um $8,000 before I left. Um, and my parents were going to help me out with the rest. But actually, my last day before I took off, um, our uh, our bishop, our leader, came and handed me an envelope and said, this person wants to stay anonymous, uh, anonymous but he wants to pay for your mission. It was $10,000 cash. Maybe you should pay and for I, some like, I, English lessons. Yeah, shut up. <laughs> so, what, so that... He gave you ten thousand yeah, dollars cash. So the eight thousand that you had raised, that still stays to the church. Right? No, 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 no. I hadn't paid it yet. I hadn't, oh, so I hadn't sent it? it in, so I kept it. Yeah. So the, the eight thousand dollars for the donations that you received or raised, you kept. Good for you, buddy. Good for <laughs> you, buddy. <laughs> and in my head, I have to tell myself I don't have it because I'm horrible with money. So, so did you I use it while you were on your mission? Though? No, I didn't. No. It stayed here. Yeah. states well i know that some missions like you have like debit cards and stuff yes. and, like your family can like put money into like Absolutely. your account and you can use it to buy like essentials mm-hmm. and whatever yep. no. i i had uh my debit card with chase bank i uh before i left i went and converted it into pesos okay. so we could do dollars and pesos and so my family sent me money that way and stuff so, uh, did they encourage communication with your family back home while you were out there? Uh, absolutely, absolutely. So, every Monday, you um, it's called a P-Day, Preparation Day, where you do all your laundry, everything, you know. We'd always go out and play sports, a lot of soccer, a lot of soccer. Um, but you'd have a, about an hour and a half to email your, uh, your family and stuff like that. Every Mother's Day, every Christmas, you got to Skype home. And- but aside of that, you're – they – are you – Emailing your parents on a nightly no, just, basis? Just, or? Just, just Mondays. Just those Mondays, days. yeah. Just once a week. So what's the deal? And I think you can probably help out with this a little bit too, Daniel. The deal with swimming on your mission. <laughs> My understanding, and I've been inactive <laughs> for a while. <laughs> not, I'm not proud to say that. but um, Something about the devil having control of the water or something. Exactly. So like, if you're like swimming, then... 
I, I, that's just my it's, understanding. But then you got to wonder, like, does that count for baths and showering too? And like drinking, yeah. you need water. I, yeah, exactly. like, yeah. That's that's essentially what it is. It. And I, and just like Daniel, I, I don't fully understand it either. Um, and also another thing, so they want you dedicated to serving the Lord, no distraction stuff. So usually when you go to water, there's usually mm. beautiful women in bikinis and. They'd rather you not be thinking about mm-hmm. stuff like that. So that's very unfortunate. Very unfortunate. But and so that that's another thing. They just try to keep you focused. Keeps them all. It never worked, but <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That's true. But yeah, that's interesting. So, was. was there a time when it was said that you were done with it? Like how did, how did the time that you were done with your mission come to? What do you mean? I'm... Like when you. You were into, into your two years. Yep. Was there, like, from the start, you knew, you know, when I'm 21, six months, and three days, I'm going to be coming back? Or did that... Oh, absolutely, yeah. You knew so, exactly So, I left on back. September 23rd, 2017. No, sorry, 2015. Okay? Um, and then I came back September 1st, 2017. Okay. So, so your two years is marked. You, you have a set two years, and... Usually it's usually it's about you. You go home about a month before the two years. Yeah, is the up. two years is up. So, so well, when they get back from their missions, they're like t- still technically missionaries until they like go to church and get like set apart. Exactly. And like yes. Not a missionary yeah. anymore. Okay. Because mm-hmm. they have to like debrief you. Yeah, and all that essentially. Stuff. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. But I had a. I have. I had four calendars, four different calendars. One was marking the transfers so transfers was every um about a about a month every month so you knew so you knew you were in an area for at least a month and then transfers would come you either stay or you go so um and so i had a calendar marking transfers a calendar marking days months yeah It, it sucked because it made the time go by super slow but but i loved it it was awesome down there it really was it was definitely a an eye opener to you know, especially live in a third world country. Yeah, you know, growing up, you know, I always thought that, and we weren't poor by any means, but I always thought we were definitely lower class for sure. Um, and I remember one day I was walking down the street, and there's a bunch of kids out in the street. It was all it had been raining, so it was a lot of mud. Um, they're all dirt roads. There's no, yeah, there's no asphalt. Um, and the kids had a little bottle cap. Mm-hmm. one of the soda bottles and they were just playing around with it and just to see their smiles they were so happy that they were able to play with that the pure fun of yeah exactly it, it was a definitely a humbling yeah, experience yeah. for sure it really kind of put me in my place i was like holy crap i had doesn't free that, education yeah doesn't that blow your mind you like it have is. kids over here that like whine and complain if they don't get their ipad or like or they whatever. don't have wi-fi or <laughs> even looking at like when we were kids growing up like i remember going out into the woods and i mean i didn't yeah, have a cell phone so playing yeah. army you yeah know? you go play <laughs> army cops uh, and cowboys and indians, <laughs> cowboys and they, and indians yeah, yeah you just go out in the woods and it's be back by by dark yeah. be back before dark or you're Absolutely. in trouble yeah exactly and now like you look at kids and you have to you have to force God, them to get them outside. I just blew out my train of thought looking at Austin's <laughs> cute toenails. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what, what's the story behind that? I heard that Austin, like... Lost a bet. Lost a bet. Yeah, I lost a bet with a, with a vendor at work. and We don't need to go into what the bet was. It's not appropriate. But, uh... <laughs> but, I, 
and I'm not gonna get a caterpillar out of my toenails. Oh my goodness. So yeah, caterpillar spelling it. So, big toes. <laughs> so are you gonna be wearing flip flops the next two days? Oh hell no. <laughs> well, well then, then what's the point of getting yeah, it? What then? was the point? So that well, we need to make another bet so that he has yeah. to wear flip flops for the next two days. Oh, what do we yeah. need to bet? Let's have a push up competition right now. Yeah, oh, I know okay. I'm gonna lose. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I can't. I'm not a good shit. Nope. <laughs> I can say that I can do better than Austin because I won't stop until I do. But <laughs> I'm not gonna win that by any means. <laughs> All right. Well, one last question for both of you guys. Since Absolutely. I mean, you've been a little bit of time. Off of your god damn it, I got butterfly or ladybug toenails and lube. Passing <laughs> around, what a great, <laughs> great combination, huh? So, what what's your plan now, Daniel? Now that you're out, uh, so my plan now, uh, I got out of the the navy in April ish, and then I had two year or two months terminal leave, so I was still getting paid for two months. Well, I was looking for another job, and unfortunately, I went back to work for the guy that I was working for before. He's a great guy to work for, but it's just not something I want to stay in. It's just construction, you know. There's yeah. no future, so I'm trying to get hired on doing helicopter mechanicing somewhere down here. And now, in you're in your, I mean, you're kind of just starting this this job searching project project. But is it Especially with the military experience and the experience you have on combat helicopters, does that help with your ability to find a job after the fact? So it definitely helps, like having the experience. But the thing is, is that like my my military qualifications don't um, transfer over exactly to the civilian That's world. Suck. So I have to go to back to school or do on the job training to get my AMP license, which is airframes and power plants license, like on the civilian side. Mm-hmm. But a lot of places right now are looking for mechanics and they'll hire you on without the amp license and, and then, then you get just it for you on the job training and then take the test and get it so i'm planning on doing it like that but if not you know if nothing comes up soon then i'll use my gi bill and just go to school to get the amp and then do job search that way because with the military experience and then having the amp i feel like i'd have a pretty good shot of sure absolutely yeah i mean it's, it's one of those things that I feel like there's not enough appreciation that goes towards uh, veterans, whether you saw combat or not. I I mean, you put in the time that I didn't put in. I mean, most people that you see on the street didn't put in that time. So, you know, there's it's definitely says something about who you are and and things that you've done. And and honestly, for me, it just I hope that you end up finding something that that you really like to do. And, you know, it, it ends up being not work. Appreciate it. Yeah. I, I hope I find something good. You know, it's crazy. I got out and you think that, uh, getting a job like having military experience whatever is going to be easy people want to help out veterans or whatever but it's actually like kind of the opposite a lot of people think that you're going to have like ptsd or like problems or not be able to work with people or you know for whatever reason coming out of the military so it's a little bit difficult to get jobs actually you think it'd be the opposite but it's i mean and the stereotypical is like the guy i was telling you about earlier a combat veteran that that has legitimate ptsd and and i mean that's probably one of combat veteran versus every other job in the military i it, it's got to be less than 50 percent is combat yeah. absolutely yeah. well well now yeah i mean especially like, now with the wars 10 years ago it, you know yeah. all, most of those guys were seeing combat even the navy was going over there and you know and like i mean we don't see combat like being on the ship most of the time but you know you load ordnance on you know a jet or a helicopter and they come back unloaded you know some stuff's getting fucked up <laughs> yeah, so that would be crazy. That would be crazy. Is Did it scary have... pushing those around? 
Oh, the ordinance? Yeah. So, Does I mean, like, they don't actually right? activate the ordinance oh. until it's, like, on the ship. Like, you have to, like, That's gay. put in codes. Like, there's, like, certain, <laughs> you know, things to, like, activate the ordinance now. So, it's not Just for safety reasons. Up. I mean, unless something, like, <laughs> terrible happened. Right. No, but. Do you ever have any submarines come close to knocking you guys out of the water? Uh, so, it's kind of. Yeah, can't talk really about talk about that. that. Oh, fair enough. You're right. I did. Uh, <laughs> I was but, listening to. It was oh the Loch Ness or no it wasn't the Loch Ness it was Finding Atlantis Naked Science on YouTube and these people had sonars side sonars that they were pushing through ended up finding a submarine really yeah and they ended up that that was like my whole squadron's job that's why we flew twenty four seven like we had to protect the carrier so we flew anti submarine warfare so we have these sonars that we dip down into the water and I can't get into specifics about it because it's kind of classified but yeah I mean like. So that's a job. Yeah, but, but it was crazy. Like, we could find subs from, like, hundreds of miles out. And, and this just goes back to what we were just talking about. There are so many jobs out there. Absolutely. That aren't shooting somebody. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So. It's more than just shooting. All right. Well, let's wrap this up. Thank you guys for coming on. Thanks, Stephen. No, Appreciate thank it. you. No problem. And uh, hope, hope to uh, have you guys on here again soon after you guys. Find your job and yeah, for sure. find your way. Do a little catch up. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Thanks for listening, guys. See you.